0: 10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State! Deflected into the hands of Phelps, Avery for three hits! Culver is safe!
1: The Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba.
0: And we welcome you in, once again, to the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you and coming up here in just a little bit we'll take a look back at this past week in A-State basketball busy week once again for both the men and women's teams also the A-State indoor track team was in action over the weekend as well we'll go back and look at some of the great things they were able to accomplish at the Vanderbilt Invitational but right now want to Welcome in our special guest from the A-State baseball team, senior right-hander from Texarkana, Arkansas. It's Tyler Jeans in studio. How you doing, Tyler? I'm good, Matt. Thanks for having me. I want to start with this because over the weekend, we saw a lot of pictures coming from Coach Raffo. I saw it on Twitter where he posted the leadership retreat what you guys were doing at this leadership retreat so i want to know all about it where did you guys go
2: for this retreat we went out to crowley's ridge youth camp down in paragold and it started off on friday night we got there and we got our lodging and everything and then we came back in and we had to do like we split us up into teams and we had to like come up with like different names we had to name our team and then we did like a bunch of like team building activities on Friday night. So what do team building activities include? So this is just the night nighttime Friday night. We did like an egg drop thing on like we had to work together and figure out what's the best possible solution to drop an egg and like they gave us a certain amount of materials to build it with. So we and then we did like a movie reenactment scene. Whenever we first got there, Todd told us to take our cool jacket off, so we had to like connect with each other and like you just got to leave everything at the door. Are you talking about Todd Baumgardner? Yes, sir. You just had to leave everything at the door, and then you just got to realize you're just with the guys. And then Saturday, we woke up about seven thirty ish, and then we got there, and we had to, we were all in a team, and we had to like tie a rope together, like with everybody holding the rope. We had to figure out how to do an overhand knot with just why everybody's holding the rope.
0: I saw a little tightrope picture. I think mm-hmm. the the one I saw
2: was with Daedric Kale.
0: Did yes. you do that?
2: I did do the tightrope. We it was like a it was a triangle rope. You had to build a, it was, you got another teammate, and you had to like lean on each other, and like form a triangle and walk all the way across the rope.
1: So, a couple of points here. <laughs> Number one, I love me some Tyler jeans, but I I, I can't. But just because of, of he what hasn't I know, been to Paragould very often. That ain't Paragould. That's right outside of Walcott. In fact, it's a little bit I mean, It's closer to Walcott than it is Laredo, but it's between the two. Did you feel like you were in the middle of nowhere?
2: I was absolutely in the middle of nowhere.
1: It's about a mile from my house where That's I grew right. up. Really? Yeah. i had never been down there before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I grew up. I, grew up, I, I knew uh, where um, he was going with that time. Yeah, uh, just, yeah, probably maybe less than a mile from Crowley's Ridge Youth Camps where I grew up. So I'm familiar with the middle of nowhere.
0: So did this leadership retreat, did it work? How much closer do you feel to your teammates after what you guys went through this weekend?
2: I feel a lot more closer with my teammates just because, like, we were all out there. We had no phones or anything. It was just, like, us out there in the middle of nowhere.
0: That's kind of weird anymore to be without your phone at any point. I mean, you go 10 minutes without your phone.
2: You feel kind of helpless, don't you? I did feel helpless at first. But it was we were all we none of us had our phone, so it made it a lot better. It's kind of liberating though, too, when
0: when you're without that thing for a little while. But you got to bond with your teammates. That was good. Now I want people to get to know your story a little bit. You're from Texarkana, so when did you start playing baseball?
2: I started playing t-ball at the age of three, I believe. So was baseball the number one sport for you? It was. I mean, I played football for a while. I played basketball a little bit, too. I wasn't very good at either one of them. Baseball was – I grew up watching my older brother play, so I think that helped me out a lot. And I knew I wanted to play baseball.
0: Now, your older brother, Trey, actually played at ULM, right?
2: Yes, sir. He started out at the University of Lafayette, and then he got hurt, and the coach that recruited him, Coach Deggs, left Lafayette, so he got released from there. And then he went to Seminole State and played there for two years – And then he went to ULM.
1: So what position did you play in football?
2: Sophomore year, I was a cornerback in strong safety and free safety.
1: Okay, I can go
2: for that. I believe that.
1: Now, from a baseball standpoint, I always like to ask, I mean, because I'm guessing for for a long time as a kid, you were probably the best player on the teams you played on, whether it was hitting or not. So when did kind of pitching become a thing?
2: Believe it or not, I actually didn't make my high school varsity team until my senior year to start pitching. So pitching became – it didn't really start happening until my senior year of high school. I mean, I pitched a little bit my junior year, but I was always just like a hitter for the most part. Even though your brother had pitched, Mm -hmm. you didn't really pick it up until later on. I pitched when I was younger, but, I mean, I would never threw very hard, honestly. I didn't throw hard until probably my senior year. What happened? No idea. (laughs) It just kind of happened. Just all of a
0: sudden, you started throwing harder – After a good senior year, you ended up going to Northeast Texas Community College, right? Yes, sir. Now, you pitched there in 2018. So, this is – you're going in now to your sixth college season. But you were there in 2018. Did you get hurt after that? Is that that kind of how it went?
2: I pitched my freshman year in 2018. And then I threw pretty well for a freshman that year. And I came back the next year, my sophomore year, and we went to the JUCO All-Star Game. And the game got rained out, so they had to throw bullpens on the inside. And I snapped my UCL in, on my fourth pitch and, into that. And mm-hmm. then I ended up not having surgery until the January of the next year. And it was a 14-month recovery. And then COVID happened. And then I ended up here with nothing. They took a chance.
0: So you were at Northeast Texas for three years, but only one year actually got counted against you because you redshirted in nineteen the COVID season in 2020. So you really hadn't pitched in two years when you came to Arkansas state in 2021. And I know Brad and I have had this conversation about you. I can't remember anybody being thrown into the fire quite like you did your first year at Arkansas state. You started what four games in 2021, which was your first season here, but three of them were on the road against top 10 opponents Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. That was the first ever meeting against mm-hmm. Arkansas back in 2021. Did you make Coach Raffo mad at some point no, during the season? I mean, how, how did that come about?
2: I have no idea. I, we were playing Mississippi <laughs> State the next day, and I got a
1: text from our previous pitching coach, and he said, you're starting tomorrow. And
2: I was like, okay.
1: So I want to go back to the that Arkansas game because that's a season where – uh, you know, Arkansas, you know, was pretty widely held and, and justifiably so, was the best team in America. And you go and you got a state and Arkansas playing for the first time, and Arkansas wins the game. But it, from my standpoint, it felt like the player fans on either side were talking about out of that game was Tyler Jeans because you shut him out for four innings. I mean, kind of what that night you'll pitch at that ballpark against that team. So what it do for your confidence?
2: Uh, it was an incredible experience for one, and it. I don't know, it just built up my confidence throughout the year, and it, people everywhere knew about that game somehow. Like, every, everybody we played for the rest of the year was like, you're the one that pitched against Arkansas, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that season, you were kind of able to build on that going into last year, your second year here at A-State, and actually started the year in the rotation as a weekend starter, but your role really ended up, being towards the back end of the bullpen, that was a role that you thrived in. Did you feel comfortable as kind of that back end guy last year?
2: Yes. So when we started out of the rotation, I would say I, I wasn't very comfortable at first because I had to get back going. And then when, when I got moved to the back end, it just kind of like took off for me. So I definitely think
1: it helped me out a lot. I want to bounce back a little bit to touch on something you just kind of mentioned, because you said Juco, you know, you play a year and then, you said snap a UCL, which means that's it means that's what you have Tommy John surgery for. And there's a lot of times uh, – it's it's not like people sign up for John, Tommy John surgery, but a lot of times pitchers will kind of come back and when they get past it kind of say they're physically better. Did you find that to be your experience?
2: I definitely feel a lot better now. From the two years I, I had off, I think it took me a while to find everything again. Like as far as throwing strikes, my walks and everything, my walks were through the roof my first year, and then last year I kind of like toned them down. So I think it took me a minute to get back into throwing strikes.
0: Last year, and we talked about how you excelled individually kind of on the back end of the pen, but I know from a team standpoint, it was extremely frustrating as far as the wins and losses. 22 new players have been added to the roster this season. This is a very different-looking team than a year ago. You're one of the returners, so... You have a unique perspective here. How is this team going to be better? How much better can this team be than what we saw a season ago?
2: I think we will be a lot better than last year. Considering our outfield is extremely athletic, I think this year we'll see more stolen bags and more aggressive, like behavior on the base paths. I think our pitching staff will be a lot better in terms of velocity. I think we'll throw a lot more strikes this year as well. And offensively, I think we ha- we have the power to like we can hit it out of the ballpark or we can. Bunt on you if
1: we need to. Mentioned all the new guys. I mean, when you guys show up, you know, at the start of school or whatever you guys have to report, was it like showing up for a summer team, having to learn a new roster?
2: Yeah. It was a different look in the
1: locker room for sure at the beginning. Everybody had to go with name tags or how long to get stuff figured out. <laughs> <laughs> we had our locker tags. <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody should be sure you said right by your locker so everybody knows who you are.
0: Tell me about your improvements. Just how. Have you changed as a pitcher from last year to this year? Have you added some new pitches this year, velocity up, anything different about your repertoire?
2: Compared to last year, so I started off the season, I had one and a half pitches that I was pitching with. I pitched with a fastball and a changeup for the most part. Midway through the season, my changeup kind of fell off, and then somehow I learned to slider in the middle of the game, which came at the end of the season, which helped me out. When my strikeouts started going up. And then this year – Now, wait a minute, you – You learned a slider in the middle of a game? Is that what you said? In Somewhat. I was (laughs) throwing one in the bullpen. You just kind of found it. I found it somehow.
0: We had Tyler Zuber in here Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, and and he was talking about how he just kind of found that filthy Mm changeup a couple of years into his pro career, and he had never felt it before, but somehow it just kind of clicked. I guess you had that moment where that slider clicked.
2: It just – Everything that AD had told me or been telling me during my bullpens kind of like wasn't making sense at the time. And then finally I felt it one time and then it made sense.
1: We're going to get to obviously talking about working with Coach Alan Dunn, but I'm, you know, prior to that. You, you go back to your first year here and, you know, as you said, really hadn't got to pitch in two years. COVID, Tommy John, you know, the staff here takes a chance on you and in your own words where your walks were through the roof. So what's that feeling like? I mean, it's already pretty – the mound's, I imagined a pretty lonely place anyway. So, when you're out there and you just don't think you can throw a strike, kind of mentally, what's happening when that's going on?
2: Uh, It's a lonely place. Like, you just got to figure it out somehow. And I think I've made the adjustment now where I can usually figure it out in one or two pitches compared to it would take me five or six.
1: If you got yourself one of those spots? Not that you will again, because I don't think you will, but back then, and you're you're just struggling to throw a strike. I mean, you – at some point, do you start kind of? Are you looking over there to see if somebody's walking out? I mean, just what are, you, what are you trying to process?
2: Honestly, I don't. It's hard to remember because it's so lonely up there. You just kind of like, I don't know. You're never going,
1: for Pete's sake, come out here and get me.
2: I don't think I've ever done that because I've always wanted to be up there throwing, but I don't. Like, I never wanted to come out the game, but at a certain point, you realize you need to or you yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, and we're talking about a pitcher's mentality here. You know, we talked about how, I mean, you've been a starter, you've been a back-end guy, and I know going into this season, you're preparing to go back into a starter role. So how does your mentality change from being, you know, that, that closer type guy to
2: being a weekend starter? I think my confidence is going to be a big part of this year because my arsenal's a lot better this year than it has been. And so I think that's gonna help me out because I think last year I just kind of like lacked confidence as a starter and I think I have it this year
1: how do you uh ration out your juice I mean uh, and I'm saying you know if you're on the back end, especially if you get the ball you know if it's even if you're a seven eight nine guy whatever it is, you kind of know hey this is how long I gotta go and I can empty the tank in this short amount of time. How different is it to you try to Spread that out. Stay sharp, but still kind of spread that out over the course of what you hope is a long start. I think it's going to
2: come down to conditioning. I think I'm going to have to, like, train myself, like when we start inter-squatting on Friday, to, like, be able to spread everything out and not lose velo going into, like, the fifth or sixth inning.
0: Tell me about some of the other pitchers we're going to be impressed with on this staff.
2: I think Austin Capella is going to be a big part of our team. He's also another pitcher that can – Run it up pretty good. Another one that we're looking at is Kyler Carmack. He's a redshirt freshman from last year. Significant velocity improvement and stuff improvement. Hunter Draper is another good one. He's a slower lefty that's going to come in behind one of us or he could end up starting. We don't know. I think we have a lot of different like pieces we're going to have to put together in the first few weeks and figure out what's going to work for us best.
1: So you get a second year now working with, with AD, as you said – this time a year ago or just over a year ago when he gets here. Obviously you guys know the resume, you know, the guys, the big leaguers he's worked with, the draft picks and all Americans. And that's just, he had street cred already, but just to then really kind of get into it with him and go through a year and now year two working with him, what's that like? And, and where has he helped you?
2: AD is an amazing guy for one. I think that helps out a lot just to begin with. And then for me, his biggest thing to me was I already had the stuff to pitch and now I just needed the confidence to get up there and actually do it, because that was the one thing I lacked in my very first year was confidence. Considering I got thrown to the fire,
1: <laughs> which
2: that I think that helped me more than it hurt me, because it now I look back and I've already thrown against all those SEC teams and I already know what I can do against them. And just looking back a year ago, from when he first got here, we can when when I'm talking to him, we we look at where was this pitch at? Not, if, not as if it was, this pitch was in the strike zone compared to like it's more location and command than just getting the ball in the strike zone now. So you got the
0: confidence and you've got some new technology too. And I've seen this on social media here in the last few days as well. And I know you kind of did a testimonial for it and so did AD at one point. But this Armilla Tech company has come in and they've helped you out as far as the communication goes as far as you getting your pitches so take us through that process how
2: does this work how does it help you so our Militech technology that we wear on our wrist or our belt and it just comes ad has an ipad over there and you can pick the whatever pitch location if we want to pick off or anything and we get it straight from him rather than having to go through a middleman like the catcher giving signs which is a lot easier to pick up for other teams, this way you just get the sign and you step on the rubber and then you're ready to go. Compared to him having to talk into a walkie-talkie, and now we can just get up there and go. It's a you get in a better rhythm as a pitcher.
1: You know who invented this? A pitching coach, I guarantee. You, because you know what's done? It's eliminated the shake-off. Like right? You just you <laughs> get you get pitch throw pitch. That's it yep. receive pitch throw pitch. That's it. It's a lot harder to shake off now. <laughs>
0: Well, and I would think, too, you're getting the pitch sooner. So instead of you finding out what the pitch is going to be when you're already on the rubber, you can know before you step on, right? Um, Does that help you mentally prepare for the next pitch a little bit better? I would think so.
2: It definitely helps because then you know it. You kind of understand what you're trying to accomplish. You can, like, start setting up hitters. And, like, you know you can plan ahead.
0: Does the rest of the team – do they get similar communication?
2: Yes, the, everybody on the all-starting nine is wearing a wristband. So, a first baseman knows if a pick's coming. The middle infield knows if the pitch is going to be outside, which way to shift.
1: Two, they send defensive alignment through that too, can they? Yes, yeah.
2: they do. Uh, our offense also uses it as well to give to get like bunt signs and everything.
1: So, now when you see all this, he's going to be wiping letters and touching the It's It's all for show. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, somebody's over putting it in an iPad. Where Coach
0: Raffo is holding an iPad at third base, <laughs> I
2: think he'll be in the dugout <laughs> with it this year.
0: Is that the way it's going to work? I think. So. Okay. Well, there we go. That's what technology is changing everything.
1: Sure is. Speed of game for one. Well, it'll be interesting to see that. That will yeah. be an interesting thing to see because you could just bank on like it wasn't going to be less than three hours if the fr- and if the first number was a two, right? It was a pretty quick game. It'll be interesting to see if that's kind of the case if it impacts the speed and pace of play.
0: Tyler, however fast the game's going to go, we're excited about seeing you pitch this season, excited about seeing you and your teammates, this new look roster on the field here in the next couple of weeks. Appreciate you coming in. Good luck this season and uh, hopefully got a whole lot of wins coming up.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, that's Tyler Jeans joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this.
1: When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC.
0: Well, it was another busy week for the A-State basketball teams. The men wrapped up their four-game homestand couple of games against two of the best teams in the league and I guess we could have said that last week too in fact we did with Southern Miss and Texas State but I think we actually took that up a notch this past week with the Cajuns and Marshall coming to town Mike Bellato's team hosting the Cajuns on Thursday night lost that game 80 to 71 and they were down twenty nine to fifteen early on yep. in this ball game. I think eight or ten minutes in, it was real fast paced to start the game. But I thought our guys really
1: settled in after that. I mean, I bet you, you trim it down close to that. It's it's pretty much an even game for the last thirty five minutes. I think it's just it's just one of those games that sort of just seem to start down behind and just spend the rest of the day trying to get caught back up. But but you're you're right. I mean, just from that point, from being fourteen, I mean, it was just sort of a. Back and forth from there.
0: Got it down to five a few times in the the second second half. half, But, you know, the Cajuns hold on. They win 80-71. to Terrence Ford led the way in scoring in that game for the Red Wolves. He had 14 points. But in the final minute of that game, he was injured. He had a strained Achilles. And the Red Wolves had to go without the outstanding freshman on Saturday against a Marshall team that... This is as talented of a team, as big of a team as the Red Wolves have seen. And, you know, going without Ford the other day, a team that came in on a six-game losing streak, you know, we didn't know what we were going to see out of the Red Wolves. Mm -hmm. And Marshall, on top of everything else, is one of the best rebounding teams in the nation. They start a freshman who is 7-1 and is top 10 nationally in both blocks and rebounds, and Top 10 in the country in offensive rebounds is Marshall, but A-State was plus 13 on the glass in that game. They out-rebounded Marshall 44-31, to had 16 offensive rebounds to Marshall's seven. The effort was absolutely yeah. off the charts.
1: It was. I mean, I just – you know, I, I give our guys and, – and so it's got to start with the coaching staff. You know, a ton of credit. They just keep working, and they scratch and claw. I mean, the issue is, as the issue has been, is that – they just sometimes have a hard time finding a way to score. That they never kind of let that just turn into affecting their effort on the defensive end and, and causing them to lose big. I mean, they just – they scratched and clawed. And in this game, for sure, just same thing. Just felt like you're always behind and we get nearly caught up and Marshall would hit a shot and going a little run. And you get them almost reeled in and they'd hit a shot. And it felt like it was going to go that way the whole game right up until – you get a turnover in a bucket with three seconds to go to tie it up.
0: See David Early inbound, facing that full court pressure. shown by Ace state Lob it in. Julian Little got the steal. Little left side the field. Six seconds left. Caleb driving all the way to the hole. Lays it home. 3.4 seconds to go. Here comes Kerfman, shot from midcourt. No good. We're going to
2: overtime.
0: Yeah, just an incredible finish to regulation. Marshall was out of timeouts, so you know if you can find a way to steal the inbounds pass, you know that Marshall can't call timeout there, and Julian Lule gets the steal, gives to Caleb Fields. He drives and scores, and you end up going to overtime, but Marshall controls the overtime. They end up winning 87-78. to 78. Avery Feltz with a career-high 18 in this game. Caleb Fields, his second career double-double, had 17 points, 10 assists. After the game, Dan D'Antoni, the brother of longtime NBA head coach Mike D'Antoni, was very complimentary. Dan, in his ninth season as head coach at Marshall, which is his alma mater, and he does a great job there. Very complimentary of just how hard the Red Wolves played and said, you know, this is a team that played a lot better than their record indicates. So hopefully... There's some more wins coming very soon.
1: You know, two guards down because you know, Caleb London still wasn't out there and you mentioned Ford being out. Look, if you if you took a straw poll out there, people to watch this team all the time, and you just asked, Hey, who's this team's best player? You'd get some answers from people that said it was Terrence Ford. Yeah. Right now. You know, so to be shorthanded. And, and go in there and just scratch and claw and give yourself a chance. It it was really a performance, a really good one. And you, you hate to think it paid off with the win because, golly, those dudes played hard. And we also kind of got our first glimpse in that second half when the kid got, kind of got back in it. We saw sort of what can happen when Malcolm Farrington and Avery Phelps hit shots at the same time.
0: Oh, yeah. It was encouraging, but unfortunately the Red Wolves fall short. Meanwhile, the women's team, they went on the road. And finally got that first conference win Thursday night as they went into South Alabama and won handily sixty three to forty seven They out rebounded the jaguars fifty five to twenty nine in this game, Lauren Pendleton with a double double twenty three points, ten rebounds, but just a, a good performance, always good to win on the road.
1: You know, this was a matchup of teams that were each looking for their first conference win. So, even for a certain degree of A-State wins, and you could say, well, South Alabama's not very good. They hadn't won a conference game. They turned around Saturday and beat Texas State and got their first conference win, I think. South Alabama did. So, wow, you know, A-State you know, played well in that one. You know, and played tough. You look at those rebounding numbers, right? you got to play tough. And that's really, I, mean, I don't think there's any mystery that that's what this team had been challenged to do by the coaching staff. So
0: they get the win Thursday, and then they traveled to Lafayette on Saturday. And the tip-off was scheduled for 2 o'clock Saturday. It didn't tip until 2.30. I'd never heard of this ever happening before. I got a text from Cade Carlton about, oh, I don't know, an hour before they were supposed to tip off, and he said, hey, the team's not here yet. Apparently, there's been a wreck. Now, everybody was okay, but I've never, ever heard of a team bus getting into an accident on the way to a game. That's exactly what happened. They ended up having to get off the bus, take police reports, and mm. they got to the arena, I think, at 1.15 and ended up tipping off at 2.30. As for the game itself... They gave the Cajuns all they could handle, end up losing in overtime 49-48. I
1: only got to see literally the very end of this game. I was just trying to follow the scores and, you know, trailed at least by nine pretty early on. And I don't know if it got bigger than that or not, but just sort of scratched and clawed and got it to overtime. And then, you know, late in overtime, got a stop down one with 24 seconds to go. Yeah. Came down, ran offense, took a shot with enough time to get an offensive rebound, which they got. Melody Kapinga got an offensive rebound, Mm -hmm. drew a pretty good amount of contact on the way back up. Yeah. uh, You could make a case. And, you know, didn't get a call. And uh, that, you know, that's the way it ended. Now it leads to not usually going to get that whistle on the road, especially. Would you say that like it's an accepted thing? But it doesn't make a damn bit of sense because here's the deal. And and this, yes. and, I, and I'm not, okay. Now, even if it's not what happened here, the, the, one of the most bass-ackwards notions is the one that officials say, well, I'm, I don't want to make a call at the end because we don't want officials deciding games. Well, by not making that call, you decided the game just the, game. the same. Yep. A foul 59 minutes and 59 seconds into a game or, you know, thirty nine fifty nine in this case, I'm talking about. It's the same as it was It was two seconds into the game. A foul's a foul's a foul. I'm not talking specifically about this case. Maybe I'm just sort of hollering at the moon. But just in general, I love the notion that, yeah, well, you don't want officials deciding games by making calls. Well, they can just as easily decide a game by not making one.
0: Still an encouraging week for the Ace Day women. Yes. And Coach Rogers even talked about it during the coaches' show Monday night. She said... She was even more encouraged with the performance on Saturday than she was yeah. on Thursday. So this team is starting to head a little bit more in the right direction.
1: Well, I mean, heck, it needs to, right? I mean, they were just, we've talked about it over the last few weeks. They were far too talented to be having the outcomes they've been having. Not wins and losses necessarily, but the margins where you just say, you know, this is, I mean, Didn't something's make sense. up. No, it did not. So last week was certainly a better indicator of what this team should be out there playing like.
0: We'll be back to take a look at the week ahead when we
1: come back. You raised your family here, did every July fourth here, refinish the floors here twice, sized up your daughter's boyfriends here, waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave. This place has given you all you've dreamed of, and now it's giving again in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC equal housing lender subject to credit approval.
0: Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. The track and field teams were in action this past weekend. Do want to mention this. They were at the Vanderbilt Invitational in Nashville. Eight top three finishes over the two days. And that included a win by Colby Adals. He continues to stand out. He won the 60 meter hurdles. In fact, tied for the sixth best time in school history.
1: It's just a matter of uh, getting a weekend, you know, competition or track meet out of the way, and really just kind of seeing, you know, who did what to the school record books. Yeah, it, it's it's not if that's going to happen. It's not that people are breaking school records all the time, but they're always doing something that's going to make it into the book. The new reason why people aren't breaking school records all the time is. Because our school records are pretty daggum good.
0: (laughs) That's very true. Meanwhile, the basketball teams getting set for another busy week. The women, after a four-game road swing, return home. They host Southern Miss Thursday at seven. A little bit of a revenge game there.
1: And that they played two weeks ago. And the whole you know we see those family ties in Jonesboro this week. That's
0: right, Connor McNellis, the A-State assistant coaching against his mom his mom has been the head coach at southern miss for a very long time well with
1: all due respect it's time to take mom out behind the woodshed
0: (laughs) well that's one way to put it i don't know if connor's putting it that way (laughs) then uh, marshall will be in town saturday at two i'll be on the road with the men not your typical road swing we'll be at southern miss thursday at seven after the game team's going to go down to New Orleans, fly from New Orleans to Charlotte Friday, and then bus to Boone after that, take on Appalachian State Saturday at 3.30.
1: Everybody, I I mean, everybody in the league at some point, I'm sure, has at least one. And probably if you only got one of them, you're lucky. Just stupid road trip or stupid weekend that doesn't make any sense. This is kind of in that category. I think the opening weekend of conference play was one when you're at Old Dominion on Thursday and need to get home for Saturday. A lot of people have spent a lot of time looking through the Sunbelt basketball schedules this year and trying to find the logic to them. And I think that's a fool's errand because I'm not sure (laughs) that there, I'm not sure it's there to be found. Well.
0: We knew with the four new teams coming in, there, there was going to be more positives than negatives with the new additions to the league. I don't know if this is a positive <laughs> with the travel schedule during basketball because we're seeing some weird trips. Sure but, are. Uh, anyway, and, and that's, this is one.
1: That's what's coming up. Anything else we need to visit uh, about here? I want to talk a little bit about Saturday, that men's game. Okay. From a couple of uh We talked about the, the effort of the A-State men. And, man, if they could have just found a way to scratch that game out in overtime, it would have vaulted Saturday up to probably being my favorite day back on that job so far. Because there was an awful lot to like or, or people to have fun about Saturday in that place. Yeah. Um, again, you know, coming down the stretch, the second, I mean, the bulk of the second half, certainly coming down to the end of regulation and through overtime, a really good atmosphere that uh, get started in the student section. They were great. With, and with the, the Howler's Pep Band and the students that were there. Now, there weren't as many that were there Thursday night. There were a ton of them there Thursday night. Overflow. Um, they were, uh, there was a Jersey giveaway when the doors opened at six, there were students standing outside the door of the yellow entrance, starting at about five thirty Thursday, waiting to get in, to get in line for those. That's journeys. really cool, yeah. And then they stayed, and and they were there in big numbers. But then, so even though there weren't as many on Saturday, the ones that were there decided, hey, we're going to try to impact this thing, and they did. It was, so you had a great atmosphere going. You know, I, I'm of the opinion that, uh, well, no, the opinion. I just tell you, I, I'll say this: I've never seen a place with a good student section and a bad home environment i don't don't, don't know if that exists i don't know that you can have i think yeah i don't think they can exist together because i mean just so many places and ours being one of them where it's going to start the student section and and spread around and that happened saturday and i thought it was really really cool to see Mm -hmm. and then there was halftime saturday i'm glad you're bringing this up you know we just sought out different groups to try to come in and perform would it be little dribblers we got more of that coming like this weekend uh our our cheerleaders and and dancers are doing a youth clinic and those kids are going to perform at the women's game saturday and we got other stuff coming down the stretch but what i've been looking forward to is that we had worked with uh the lady's name is Teresa book that works with area one special olympics and um she worked to help find us two of their basketball teams to come in and Play a short game against each other at halftime of one of our games, and there was a there was a bigger event on campus Saturday for Special Olympics, uh, covering a lot of sports and a lot of A State athletes. As a matter of fact, were involved in that. But then when it was over, you had the the Warriors from Jonesboro uh, Human Development Council, yeah, or Center, and the Area One Panthers came to First National Bank Arena. Played a game at halftime and put on a show. You ain't kidding.
0: (laughs) And I'll tell you this, and and I'll kind of go back to the crowd the other day. I thought just down the stretch of that Marshall game, it was incredible. I mean, it was the fans that were there were so into it. They were on their feet and made such a big impact in that game. But during halftime, they were every bit as into it. And they had every right to be because that product on the floor was so fun to watch.
1: Honestly, even with what happened the rest of that game, I'm not sure that the end of that game between those two teams representing uh, Area 1 Special Olympics, the end of that game may have been the loudest it's been in there all season long (laughs) because... You know, we, we just – it was you – because know, they weren't really – it wasn't like they had a scoreboard going, but, I mean, I kind of knew what the score was. And But you had – you know, one team, the Panthers hit a couple of shots and they got up 4 nothing. Well, then all of a sudden the Warriors come down and they get a dude, he just pops – he just pulls up in transition and whoom, hits a three and people cheer. Well, they go get a stop. They come down again, same guy, whoom, hits another three. Now the crowd's full on. there. Oh like, yeah, They're into it. Uh, and it and it ends up it's like maybe seven to or it's eight to seven something like that. Uh, the the Warriors, if you were keeping score, which I was, just because I keep score. Sure, the Warriors. were what we do. We're leading by one, and I knew, but I they needed to play till about six thirty on the clock because you know at some point the teams come back out, and so I'd gone to our clock keeper and say, "Hey, I'm going to need a buzzer at about 6.30. Well, the Panthers got the ball. But the, the time they got it, it was already at probably six twenty or so. Right. So I'm, I I say on the on the mic doing PA, hey, we got we got this the last possession, and our guy our uh, credit to our guy keeping the clock to to pick up on that and no not to, th- to ring that buzzer, let the possession play itself out. Boom, a guy hits a three, and our clock guy did a great job because as soon as it went in and he did so it sounded like the world's greatest buzzer beater and the place just went oh, nuts. everybody amazing. on their feet and uh it was it was <laughs> it was what it was cool
0: what a great great game there at halftime and uh man i think everybody there same as you same as you and me and look I was I was doing my halftime <laughs> stuff but believe me I was looking up every chance I could That's to see what, what was going on know,
1: Brian Boyer was here uh you know obviously doing uh, the ESPN broadcast and we we went and uh, we were visiting after the game he's like I couldn't like I c- couldn't talk about the the broadcast because I was too busy <laughs> I was distracted watching the game at <laughs> halftime
0: hey it's been a fun show thanks again to Our friend Tyler Jeans for coming in. Really enjoyed our visit with him. For everyone that's been a part of this one, for Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.